So today we close out our series called Waiting is the Hardest Part. And in it, we've been studying the Old Testament book of Habakkuk and learning from this prophet how to wait well in times of trouble. And troubling times abound, don't they? It's okay to admit it. I mean, that's one of the things we've learned in this series. We've got big troubles like COVID-19 and riots in the street, loved ones who die and layoffs from work. And we've got little troubles, like the fact that it's June and there's still no baseball, or that The Masked Singer is somehow the most popular show on television, or that my five-year-old wakes me up at 6.30 on Saturday mornings asking, Daddy, what are we going to do today? Life is full of troubles. And you remember last week that we learned that God has a clear definition of what it means to wait well in times like these. Uh, This is what he says to Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, The righteous ones shall live by their faith. You see, once we've cried out to God about our troubles, once we've received and are resting in God's promise that he is at work in our trouble and will one day bring an end to all trouble, there's just one thing left to do with our troubles. To wait to wait with faith. And and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, Matt, I get that, but what does that look like? Great question. And that's where chapter three, the third and final chapter of this little book, that's what it's all about. Now, before we dive in, I want us to take note of just how far our man Habakkuk has come. Remember, he begins in chapter one the way you and I often begin when we're met with trouble. He starts by asking, Lord, how long will these troubles last? How long before you fix all of this? But listen to where he is now, just a short while later in chapter 3. He says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. In other words, he's still afraid of the uncertainty all around him and what's about to happen. But listen to what he says. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. I will wait patiently. Is he still scared of the trouble around him? Yes, absolutely. His body trembles when he thinks about it. But a change has happened. He goes from saying how long in chapter 1 to chapter 3. He says this, I will wait patiently. You see, his heart has changed. He's no longer solely focused on his circumstances, but he is is holding tight to the promise that God has given. And as a result of holding tight to this promise, he finds that despite knees that will knock and lips that quiver, he will be able to wait faithfully. You see, what Habakkuk shows us is that endurance in difficulty is possible when your faith has the right focus. Endurance in difficulty is possible when your faith has the right focus. And this is true, of course, in our relationship with God. His promises won't fail us. In Jesus Christ, they are guaranteed. They're guaranteed for me. They're guaranteed for you. And with our faith focused, resting on those promises, we can hang on in any hardship. We also see this truth play itself out in other areas of life, in other relationships. 
Uh, take, take marriage, for example. Uh, when the faith is right in the marriage relationship, meaning w when your focus is on and your trust is in your spouse, you can endure just about anything. When your focus is on one another and your trust is in one another, you can face almost any difficulty. Because all other things, sickness, health, good times, bad, better or worse, they all become secondary to the fact that you love one another and you trust one another and you are confident of the promises that you have made to one another. In fact, this is why many couples will look at the earliest years of marriage as some of the best. Even though in the beginning, the struggles of married life are a bit more intense. I mean, think about it. You typically, when you're first married, you don't have much money. You're also navigating the weirdness of sharing every second with another human being. And yet, because the focus on one another is fresh and new, and because the promises that you've made to one another are brand new, you're able to endure it. And oftentimes, you look back on the difficulties of the past and you laugh and you'll say things like, remember how poor we were? That was crazy. When we were newlyweds, Lisa and I, we literally danced for joy in our living room because we found the last quarter we needed for our laundry in between the cushions on our couch. We found a quarter and we danced for joy. Some of you have been so poor that you've danced for joy over quarters too. That's not an easy time. And yet the intense focus and faith in one another and in those promises you've made, it, it carries you through those times. Our relationship with God works the same way. When your faith is focused not on the circumstances of your life, but on the promises secured for you in Jesus Christ, then we may get scared at times, but, but we can endure all times. So again, what does this faith-filled endurance look like, tangibly? Well, let's, let, let's think more about Habakkuk's prayer. He describes himself as, as waiting patiently. Another way to say that is that he's going to continue to be diligent in what God has given him to do in life, despite the desire to freak out because of all the trouble around him in life. While we wait, we too choose to be diligent, to be faithful in what God's called us to do, while we wait for him to accomplish what only he can do. That's important. Expressing your faith means while you wait in times of trouble, you stay diligent and focused on what God has called you to do while you wait for him to accomplish what only he can do. Do you know someone who seems to overreact, like to everything? Their first response at the hint of trouble is to run around as if their hair is on fire? They abandon whatever the plan was in favor of going crazy trying to solve the problem. I think of how we sometimes respond here in Houston when a hurricane begins to form in the Gulf. There, there are some who immediately run to HEB or Specs, you know who you are, and they buy everything. Everything, even things that make no sense for surviving a storm. Like, like why do all the eggs disappear? Are omelets somehow essential? to hurricane survival? Now, as we know, hurricanes and flooding are serious, to say the least. But a hurricane's also kind of slow. Like, even if you know one is coming, you've got time to prepare calmly and reasonably. Knowing a hurricane is coming is like 
being chased by a bear with a bad leg who does you the favor of sending you a text in advance. Heads up, I'm leaving the woods and I'm kind of hungry. Be there in three days. Also, I might end up in Louisiana. Often, the way to express your trust in God is to fight that urge. To fight the urge to freak out and to try to be God. When life gets crazy and we let it pull us too far away from the work and the people and the life that God has given us to live and asked us to be faithful to, when we pull ourselves away from those things, we don't end up making things any better. In fact, very often, it just makes things worse. When Habakkuk says that despite his fears, he will wait on God, some choose to see that as weak. Shouldn't he be doing something? But I argue that because of the restraint required and the discipline displayed, it is incredibly strong. Faith is trusting that God will do the things that only he can do. And then it's choosing to be steady and diligent in the things that he's given us to do. But there's more. And and this one is, is big. Faith is expressed not just in our diligence despite the desire to lose our minds, but also in the words we speak, the words we speak in the midst of the struggle. While we're waiting and living by faith, we have the chance to bear witness to God with our words. But to do that, you're going to have to make a choice. You see, what we will want to do with our words is complain about how hard it is to wait, how hurt we are, how long it's taking, or how that person's got it better than us. But listen again to verses 17 through 18 and the vow Habakkuk makes. These words are are, are beautiful. Listen to this. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Uh, in the ancient world, figs were treats. So what he's saying is, look, even if, even if there's no more chocolate, uh, olives and fields, they were your, your daily sustenance. So what he's saying is, even if my pantry's empty and H-E-B burns down. Uh, Livestock was your money and security. So what he's saying there is, even if my bank account gets emptied and my portfolio plummets. uh, Look, even if as I wait for things to get better, life gets worse. It gets crazy hard and all all I could do is complain. Even then I will choose to express joy. I will choose to express joy and declare that my God loves me and that he will be good to me. Have you ever met someone like that? Someone who is able to genuinely express God's goodness in the face of tragedy or difficulty or brokenness? It's powerful, isn't it? I mean, it it can overwhelm you when you hear it. Do you know who impresses me? Uh, who impresses me are, are the older, widowed women among us. My job allows me to, to know more than a few who I get to bring communion to or who greet me on Sundays with hugs. 
Uh, these are women who've, who've lost the loves of their lives. Some were married 65, 70 years. Their spouse has, has passed away. Uh, for many, their children have moved away. And yet when I ask how they're doing, they, they say, with, with a genuine heart, they say, I'm so blessed. I, I wish I saw my kids. I, I miss my husband. But God is good. And I'll see them again. And every time those words, that, that faith, that genuine love for God in the midst of, of, of loss, it floors me and it encourages me. And I'll tell you what, the world right now needs that kind of witness. It needs to know that there is a God who is real and, and who gives promises, who gives, who gives a gift in Jesus Christ that can carry you through the greatest of pains and the worst of struggles. Let me ask you a question. What is your default mode? When life is tough, are you uh, a whiner or a witness? I, I know it sounds harsh, but just think about it. When life is a struggle, do you take the opportunity to point to the problems or to point to the promises, the person who is carrying you through them? Now, I'm not saying that you should be fake, telling anyone who asks that, that you're blessed and you're doing fine and hiding how you really feel. No, I, I think you should be real. Habakkuk has taught us that. But also remember that you have, you have hope. And take the opportunity, when you're given it, to pull back the curtain and to show to your children, to your spouse, to your friend, the promises that you're holding to deep inside and the God who loves you. Because the world needs that witness. It needs to know that there are promises that can carry us through any problem. Jump with me now to, to verse 19. This is how the entire book ends. This is the last Verse. Listen to this. Verse 19. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Did you catch that final line? It's, it's easy to overlook. It's technically a note in the text to the director of temple musicians. You see, Habakkuk intended this last section to be a song for them to take his prayer and sing it in the church as an act of worship. And that's the last thing that faith does when it's expressed in times of waiting and times of trouble. It, it remains diligent, it witnesses to others, and then it demonstrates its trust in God in songs of worship and praise. And I'll tell you what, that's the thing that makes the rest of the world scratch its head. You see, their faith... Uh, the world's faith is in the stuff that's falling apart. And so they can't fathom how someone could be worshiping when life is bad. It just doesn't compute. When they see it, the operating system of their mind grinds to a halt and they say, wait, what? You're, you're worshiping in the midst of an awful situation? The key comes in the first part of the verse. Habakkuk says, the Lord is my strength. This world ain't my strength. Money ain't my strength. Politics, career, friends, none of it is my strength. Just him. The imagery he uses is of a deer, which might strike you as strange, but remember, this was written in ancient Palestine, and Palestine is mountainous. 
and the deer was known for its ability to find a good footing on uneven ground. What Habakkuk was saying is, God is my good footing. In an uneven and shaky world, he will not let me fail. Look, God has demonstrated his ability to come through for you in the past. And most of all, he's proven his trustworthiness in Jesus Christ, who has forgiven you and earned an ultimate victory in the future for you. And that's what makes him worthy of worship today, right now. And that's what we're doing every week when we gather like this. We are expressing our trust in Jesus Christ in the midst of the mess. We are expressing our belief that our feet are standing on solid ground, the solid ground of his death and his resurrection and his imminent return. Our feet are on that ground. And so even though there was an earthquake around us, we will be shaken, but we will not ever be destroyed. We're worshiping God because of that truth, that truth that upholds us. To live by faith, to wait with faith, is to wait with your heart holding tight to the promise that there is victory in your story. There is. Now, now you might think that victory is still up in the air, but it's not. Let's, let's be honest with one another. What is your trouble? What are you waiting on? Think about it. What's the worst thing happening in your life? What's the big thing you're waiting on God to fix? What is it? Think about that and then hold tight to what I'm about to tell you. This is what I want to leave you with as we end this book. What's your trouble? What are you waiting on? Are you fighting cancer? Are you waiting to see if it will be death or if it will be life? Are you fighting a job loss? Are you waiting to see if bills will be paid or if things will be past due? Are you fighting a broken relationship? Are you waiting to see if it will remain estranged or if it will be reconciled? Are you fighting anxiety? Are you waiting to see if, if it will still be a life of worry or if you will in fact have peace? Are you waiting to see if God will give you victory or if he's going to leave you waiting and struggle forever? If that's where you are, then I have to lovingly tell you that you are not yet fully grasping the impact of the promises that God has made to you in Jesus Christ. Because friends, it is not an either or. It's not a yes or a no. It's not a maybe he will or maybe he won't. Not at all. God has promised you victory, which means that there is ever and always only one answer to your prayers. And that answer is yes. Will you be healed? Yes. Yes, you will. Either in this life or in the one to come. Will you be provided for? Yes. Either in this life or the life to come. Will you experience reconciliation in your relationships? Yes. Either in this life or the life to come. Will you know peace? Yes. The answer is yes. Either in this life or in the life to come. You're either going to live or you're going to live. You're either going to have what you need, or you're going to have what you need. You're going to be surrounded by love, or you're going to be surrounded by love. You're going to have peace, or you're going to have peace. Victory over the dark and difficult things has been won for you, promised to you in Jesus Christ. Now, and for sure then, 
It may still be an open question in your mind, but hear this. It is a settled fact in the heart of the Father. Look, I know it's tough, but he is sovereign. He's working a plan that is bigger than any one person, including you. And he is orchestrating all things according to his purposes. And we live by faith as we wait for all to be fixed and accomplished. In the meantime, we don't dare tell God how to be glorious. We just look to Jesus and we know that God will be good to us. Troubling times abound, don't they? It's okay to admit it. It's okay to be upset about it and to cry up to God about it. It is. But remember, God works through troubles to bring about his good plans, and one day all of our troubles will cease. And today, Habakkuk has demonstrated what it looks like to live focused and to live with our faith in God's promises. And when your faith has the right focus, you can endure anything. So let's apply what we learned, shall we? What are your troubles? What are you waiting on God to make better? While you wait, may you be diligent, faithful to the things he's called you to do. Keep your hands on the wheel. While you wait, be a witness, revealing to others the promises that are upholding you. And while you wait, worship. Celebrate the fact that your feet are on solid ground. In a troubled world, waiting isn't easy, but you too, like Habakkuk, you too can wait patiently. Because God has promised. He's promised that he will make your waiting as hard as it is. He will make it worthwhile. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to live by faith in the middle of trouble while we are waiting for you to fix all that's still wrong in this world. Help us to stay focused on the things you've called us to do, the people you've put in our lives to love, the tasks you've given us to be faithful in. Help us, Father, to be a witness, to share with somebody who matters to us the hope, the promises that are, that are, that are within us. And help us, Father, along the way to be so mindful of the victory that is guaranteed for us that it, that it flows out of us in moments of worship and song and praise. Father, we can only do this if you give us the strength for it, if you give us the power for it by your Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.